Happy holidays from this week in Linux podcast and also, of course, the Tux Digital Network. Thank you so much for being a part of the community, and I hope you have a fantastic holiday. And we're going to be starting the show off with some really cool stocking stuffers for Linux. We have new distro releases from Manjaro, Zorin OS, and Alma Linux. We also have a new announcement from Fedora because there is a new edition of Fedora called Fedora Asahi Linux. And we'll talk about why that's important. It's very cool news. Then we'll take a look at the latest news from System76 Cosmic Desktop. I am very excited about this desktop. There's been a lot of improvements and very exciting stuff to talk about. Plus, Debian might be doing something very rare for the project, which is potentially dropping an architecture. We'll talk about that later. All of this and so much more on this episode of This Week in Linux, your source for Linux. Good news. This episode of Twill is sponsored by Linbit. More on them later. The Manjaro team have announced Manjaro Linux version 23.1, codename Vulkan. Not to be confused with Vulkan with a K, that is a cross-platform 3D graphics API. Or Vulkan with a Spock. Manjaro 23.1 comes with some big changes to the desktop environments. There's some big updates for GNOME 45, KDE Plasma 5.27, and XFCE 4.18. Now, this is a lot of different stuff that we've already talked about on previous episodes of the show, so I'm not going to go into big details about what's all different with the various desktops, because the majority of the additions for Manjaro are specific to what comes with those desktops, so there's not really any reason to go into that. Uh, but if you'd like to learn more about GNOME 45, for example, you can go to Twill234, and if you'd like to learn more about KDE Plasma 5.27 LTS, you can check out Twill218. And if you want to know more about XFCE 4.18, you can check out my other podcast where we covered it, which is Destination Linux 306. Now let's talk about what's new specifically for Manjaro. So Manjaro 23.1 comes with an updated kernel to Linux 6.6 LTS. You can also get version 6.1 and 5.15 if you need to for some reason. They've also added Pipewire 1.0 which is awesome because Pipewire is fantastic and the latest version of Pipewire is no exception to getting better and better. So that is awesome. And there's also many other specific improvements for performance and stuff like that. And of course, some bug fixes and that sort of thing. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Manjaro 23.1, you'll find links in the show notes. And of course, remember to Linux long and prosper. The System76 team have announced some news related to their desktop environment called Cosmic. Now, for those who are not familiar, the Cosmic desktop is a new desktop environment created by System76 to basically fill some voids that they feel exist in the desktop environment ecosystem within Linux. Now, I think there's a lot of cool desktop environments, but I'm also pretty excited about the Cosmic desktop because, first of all, it's based on the Rust programming language, so it's a very performant type of desktop. And there's also some really cool ideas that they have with their system. So I am looking forward to trying it out. But just keep in mind, this is also in the early stages of development. It's been in development for quite a while, but there's still a lot more to go. So don't go out and try to download it yet. And keep in mind, I mean, if you want to, feel free to do it if they make that possible. But also keep in mind, it is not available for production ready at this time. 
So let's talk about the cool stuff in the latest news related to the Cosmic Desktop. They've added the ability to manage Windows via the mouse. That doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is a very big deal because you, if you right-click the title bar of a particular window in most desktop environments, it will give you options such as move, resize, and stuff like that. And that's very important, but there's also some options that are specific to Cosmic, which is stacking the window, tiling the window, and even taking a screenshot of the window, which is kind of funny because I feel like basically every desktop environment that has a screenshot tool should implement the taking screenshot thing, but I'm pretty sure most don't have that. So I'm right-clicking mine right now to see if it is an option, and it is not in Plasma. So there's that at least. Now, also, they have a new text editor they've been working on. And there's a lot of improvements to it. And it's more than just a basic text app. It's mostly like a text editor, kind of like an IDE, but not exactly. But it's coming along nicely, so I'm looking forward to that. They also have a lot of improvements for multi-monitor support, as well as better support for multi-window applications. And high-resolution scroll events are now supported, so you can have better control and better incremental movement when you do scrolling on high-resolution monitors. And there's also single instance application support has been made for this. So in case you have an application that you don't want to have multiple windows of the same application, you can have this feature where it will just activate a new part inside of that application. Let's say, for example, you have a Firefox browser and you want to open up a web app. You don't want it to open up a whole new window. It would be able to open up in a specific tab. So that's what that's for, and that is pretty cool. Now, System76 has also made some big changes to PopOS recently, and a few releases ago, they switched PopOS into being a only based on the LTS versions of Ubuntu, and there were some concerns that would mean that it wouldn't receive many updates as a typical for an LTS distribution. But I'm happy to say that that is not the case here because Pipewire 1.0 has been implemented in the latest version of PopOS, which is 22.04, also, Wire Plumber comes with that with 0.4.17, and they've also updated the Mesa drivers to 23.3. So that's very, very cool. And if you'd like to learn more about either Pop OS latest news or the Cosmic Desktop, you'll find links in the show notes. The Asahi Linux team have announced the release of Fedora Asahi Remix for Apple Silicon Max. That's right. This was from the Asahi Linux project themselves, as they have been collaborating with the Fedora project for years on making this distro. Asahi Linux has been an Arch Linux-based experience from the start, but that changed this week, and it's much more than just another base offering. Asahi Linux says that the Fedora Asahi Remix is the most polished Linux for Apple Silicon Macs. So Fedora Asahi Linux has been tested on M1 and M2-powered MacBooks, Mac Minis, Mac Studio, and iMac systems. This is very good news because the Asahi Linux project is a very important piece because these particular machines are going to just get more and more popular and more and more used and out there in the market. So we need to have support if we want to have people be able to jump into Linux in an easy way. And the way that Asahi Linux does it is very cool because it allows you to have dual booting and a very easy access to setting up that dual boot. So I am very excited about both the project of Asahi Linux and the, Asahi, the Fedora Asahi Remix. 
Now, the desktop default for the Fedora Asahi Linux Remix is a little bit different than you would expect because it's defaulting to KDE Plasma instead of GNOME. Now, there is a GNOME variant available, but the default is KDE Plasma, and it uses 100% Wayland experience. There's also a lot of work being done on the audio side, which is really cool because there was an interesting talk given at the Ubuntu Summit this year by the developers from Asahi Linux. And they talked about how audio on Asahi Linux and audio on Mac was a little bit more difficult. And they've put a lot of work into creating like a custom integration for DSP for making that audio good. And it is now really good out of the box with this Fedora Asahi Linux remix. If you'd like to learn more about this particular project, you will find links in the show notes. The Zorin OS team have released the latest version of their distribution with Zorin OS 17. This release is based on Ubuntu 22.04, but it has some differences between the Ubuntu stack and the, their own custom stack. So we'll get to those in a second. But it comes with Linux kernel 6.2, thanks to the hardware enablement stack that gets updated with every point release from Ubuntu. The changes that I talked about is that they're shipping a different version of GNOME that is coming with Ubuntu. So Ubuntu 22.04 comes with GNOME 42, and this version of Zorin OS comes with GNOME 43. Now, there's a lot of differences and improvements for those two. And if you want to look and learn more, I'll have links in the show notes for the episodes where we talked about GNOME 43 and the differences between the updates. Uh, so I'll have that linked in the show notes. But Zorin OS, if, for those who are not familiar, is a distribution aimed at making Linux more user-friendly to beginners. It ships a custom version of GNOME designed to be more like Windows. And when I say custom version, I mean it looks nothing like GNOME and you would have no idea that it's based on GNOME just by looking at it. It looks very different. And it has a layout switcher as well to give you many different types of options for the experience. So if you want it to look like GNOME, you can, but you can also make it look like Mac or Chrome OS or others as well. And Zorin Connect is also available to be able to sync your desktop to your phone based on KDE Connect. And this is really good because KDE Connect is very cool and Zorin Connect makes it really easy to get it done in GNOME-based systems because KDE Connect is made to work with basically any desktop environment, but by default, it's not really made for GNOME specifically, so you need to do some extra stuff to make it be seamless that way. So Zorin Connect did their own separate kind of thing to make that integration much better. So that's why I wanted to mention that because it is pretty cool that they did that. Now, the new release is also a very big one because they've added some really cool features. Now, first, they have massively improved the universal search, which is always good because universal search is kind of like how KDE Plasma has KRunner, where you just activate a search box and you can just search for anything and everything. And that's what they're doing here with Zorin OS 17. Also, they have added a new feature called the spatial desktop. And they, what they say about this is, and I quote, with the new desktop cube, you can switch between workspaces in 3D. Your app windows float off the desktop surface with a parallax effect so you can see behind them. And they also go on to say that there's, there's a new spatial window switcher, which replaces the standard flat alt tab and super tab dialog with 3D window switching. It makes it easier to quickly switch between apps with rich and informative visuals. Now, I checked it out. It is very nice. I like the style. The desktop cube is an interesting thing because it's both really, really cool and also unnecessary. But at the same time, I really like that it's there because it's something that you can show people and kind of wow them like this, you know, Linux can do this sort of thing. They've also done a lot of other things. 
For example, they have refreshed the software store. They've updated it to the latest GNOME software version 45.2. They've also done a lot of performance improvements across the board and also introduced some advanced window tiling experience for power users, as well as done a lot of various upgrades to the, you know, from their current GNOME stack to the GNOME 43 stack, as well as many other things. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Soren OS 17, you will find links in the show notes. This episode of Twill is brought to you by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community as well because they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features to their products. Limbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms without vendor lock-in, which is really cool because no matter what your OS is and no matter what kind of hardware you want to use, including off-the-shelf hardware, you're good to go with DRBD and LinStore. And also with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit provides really awesome services like DRBD, and DRBD is a really good way to make sure you have good data recovery and backups. And if you ever have like a cluster with multiple nodes and one of those nodes fails, you can have rest assurance that the backup nodes will have the data that you want. So if you're interested in checking out any of the software from Linbit, I highly recommend it. So go to linbit.com to check it out. That's L-I-N-B-I-T.com. In some rather surprising news from Debian, Debian is in talks with potentially not supporting an architecture in the future, i386 to be exact. Now, this is surprising because Debian is known for supporting everything, all the time, no matter what. So it is interesting that they're talking about removing support for i386. Now, this has not been confirmed that it's going to happen, but it is seemingly looking likely because they had a mini DebConf where the Debian release team held a spring and figured out some things such as the potential dim future for IE386. They say, insofar as they still do, we anticipate that the kernel DI and image teams will cease to support IE386 in the near future. Following that, there are two routes into running IE386. One as a multi-arc option on otherwise AMD64 system, and also two as an IE386 chroot on another architecture system. Now, they also say that they're not planning to do the similar thing that for partial architecture the way that Ubuntu has. So we don't really know exactly what they're doing, but it does seem like they're more likely to drop support than anything else. Of course, they're probably going to keep the libraries around for multi-arc then because that was a big kerfuffle in the Ubuntu era. So I don't think Debian would do something like that. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But this is really interesting news because, you know, Considering other Linux distributions have been moving away from i386 for years, and it's not that surprising to see it happen, but it also kind of is, because Debian still has support for very ancient architectures, and also some you know weird esoteric kind of architectures. So it is kind of surprising to see i386 be on the chopping block before those. But still, if it is, the community of Debian will probably pick it up and still try to keep it going at some point, because... That's what Debian is known to do. Just keep things going forever. 
which is good for a lot of people, especially my co-host Jill from Destination Linux, who has a lot of hardware that she wants to run and still in this, you know, ancient retro collective type of hardware. So we'll see what happens there. I'm very curious to know. So if you'd like to learn more about this news, links in the show notes. The Alma Linux team have announced that they have expanded the Elevate project to have integration with Apple and are continuing to do more expansion for that particular project. Now, Alma Linux's Elevate software is a really, really cool utility to help ease migration between existing major versions of RHEL derivatives. In particular, it has been very useful for people moving uh, from CentOS 7 or upgrading from Alma Linux 8 to Alma Linux 9. It's a very cool utility to make that process much easier, and it even has the ability to move to other RHEL derivatives if you want to for some reason. Now, the downside of Elevate is that it has only worked to date, as of before this now, uh, when using official OS repositories. So for those who are using the Apple packages or the extra packages for enterprise Linux, as was common to do for having uh, software selection more so than you would get normally with RHEL and CentOS, uh, this was not available, but now Elevate allows for moving between CentOS 7 and Alma Linux 8 when Apple is enabled on the system. At the moment, upgrading from EL8 to EL9 with Apple enabled isn't yet supported, but it is being worked on. So if you'd like to learn more about this particular news or check out Elevate for your own needs, you'll find links in the show notes. Mozilla has announced the latest release of Firefox with Firefox 121. Now, Firefox's biggest feature for 121 is that it has support enabled by default for Wayland, rather than defaulting to xWayland. Although, if you are using xorg slash x11, support for that still remains. Now, this is really good information because it's for it's basically a better performant thing for people who are using Wayland, and it's also really good for distributions who use Firefox out of the box by default and also are switching to Wayland because that it's very important to have this as most uh, performant as possible. So having that being enabled by default is really good. Also, Firefox now includes a floating button to help in creation with PDFs, which is very nice. And also it used to not have the ability to do PDFs. Well, it's funny because at one point it did have support for PDFs, then it dropped them, then it brought them back, and now they're making it possible to create PDFs within the Firefox browser, which is really cool. Uh, also, there's been various CSS featured editions, as well as other development enhancements, and also now supports tail call elimination in WebAssembly for enhancing support for functional languages. And they've also added an option to always force underlying links within websites. That seems like an unnecessary, pointless thing. But there is this thing that happens with some websites where they take away the underline and they just have a different color to indicate it's a link. For example, we do that on the Tux Digital website. So if you are in the uh, episode show notes, for example, you'll see that the links are highlighted with blue and there's no underline. Now, sometimes that's totally fine, like on the Tux Digital website or on some of the news websites that you might see in Linux, like Pharonix, for example. They would have a very different color or Gaming on Linux for a different color. Now, that's totally fine when the contrast is clear that this is different. Now, unfortunately, there's also a trend where some websites that are not making very good articles, for example, will just flood the text with tons of irrelevant, unnecessary links. And they also make it where you can't tell and you might accidentally hover and it'll do a pop-up thing, do a preview and do or make you move on to that link and stuff like that. It's just, 
Also, there's sometimes where people just don't do any contrast and you can't tell it's a link in the first place, which is still not common, but it does happen, unfortunately. So I like this as an option to be able to make sure you see the link when there is a link. Uh, so I like this feature. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but I think it is to a degree. So thanks to Firefox for doing that. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Firefox 121 or check it out yourself and download it for your own system, you'll find links in the show notes. The Alpine Linux project has announced the latest release of their distro with Alpine Linux 3.19. For those unfamiliar with Alpine Linux, it is a security-oriented, lightweight Linux distribution based on Muscle, LibC, and BusyBox. Now, this is very important to note that it is very cool. It's got a lot of benefits, but... I'm going to quote their website. It says, Alpine Linux is an independent, non-commercial, general-purpose Linux distribution designed for power users who appreciate security, simplicity, and resource efficiency. You'll note I gave the emphasis on power users. That's an emphasis from me, but I wanted to make sure that that is clear because all that stuff like security, simplicity, and resource efficiency, that sounds really good, but also it's for power users. It's not for everybody. Although you could, if you wanted to, you know, learn how it works and do that if you want to, if you want to put in the effort. Just want to make it clear, it's not for the average user. Now, Alpine Linux is also quite popular in the embedded and container space. So this is going to be very important for those who are in that. Now, let's talk about the latest release of Alpine Linux with 3.19. They've updated the Linux kernel to 6.6 LTS. They've upgraded GCC to 13.2 as a default compiler. They've also updated LLVM to LLVM 17, as well as many other updates such as Perl, Postgres, Go, OpenJDK, PHP, and the Rust programming languages, as well as many, many more. Now, Alpine Linux 3.19 is not just for embedded and container deployments. You can also use it as a desktop platform with Alpine Linux 3.19 having GNOME 45. So if you want to check it out, you can use it as a desktop. I just want to make it clear that it is made for power users. Now, Alpine Linux 3.19 also introduces support for the Raspberry Pi 5 hardware, which is really cool, and much, much more. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Alpine Linux or the distribution in general, you'll find links in the show notes. The team behind the Cubes OS system have announced the latest release of Cubes OS 4.2.0. For those unfamiliar with Cubes OS, it is a security-focused operating system which isolates system components and applications to minimize any kind of damage that might happen with a security breach on any one of the aspects of the platform. Now, they do this with virtual machines, and while this distro is very cool, it's also a kind of a power user thing, but it also is, it requires a fairly beefy machine for the best optimum performance because it uses virtual machines for basically everything, and when you do that, you need a pretty good machine to do it. So the latest release of CubesOS 4.2.0 has some massive updates. For example, it offers both Debian and Fedora templates. The Debian has been updated to Debian 12. Fedora has been updated to Fedora 37. And they also have switched the default desktop from GNOME to XFCE. As well as the DOM0, the administrative domain of Cubes, has been upgraded to Fedora 37. Also, the underlying Zen hypervisor has been upgraded to version 4.17. They've added SE Linux support and Fedora templates for security features, as well as added Pipewire support, which is awesome because Pipewire is a very cool system for not only just audio system, it's also a video system. So it's very important and I'm happy to see that being added. And there's also a lot more in this latest release of CubesOS. So if you'd like to learn more about it, you'll find links in the show notes. I have been a fan of Valve for a long time. For many reasons. 
And this Christmas season, they gave me another reason to like them. And that is that they are now trolling naughty Dota 2 players. So Valve has been fighting off a variety of different toxic Dota 2 players for a while with a mixture of all sorts of reasons, such as uh, Smurf accounts or people who are just toxic in-game and that sort of thing. And they've continued banning a lot of people with this latest update. Now, for those who are unfamiliar, a Smurf account is someone who is an experienced player or typically a good player who decides to make a new account that has no uh, record of how good they are so they can play against low-ranked players or people who are brand new and basically just stomp all over them and destroy them. And I don't know why anyone would want to do that. That feels boring for both the people who are new and the people who are stomping. There's no real fun in that. I, I don't know. Anyway, back in September, Valve banned 90,000 of these accounts for Smurfs, and which is awesome. And, and that's so sad there's that many accounts. Anyway, in the latest update for Frostivus 2023 event for the holidays, they mentioned that if you're on the naughty list, that it's going to be a bloodbath. And they mentioned multiple tens of thousands of accounts were banned again on December 14th. In fact, one pro player was involved in this band while streaming live on Twitch. They got this special gift from Valve that is like a holiday season. And when you open it, it gives you a reward of a lump of coal and a banishment. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Uh, they posted on Reddit about this and they didn't think that it was justified. And the comments didn't seem to agree with them about that. So later that thread was removed. But of course, it's the internet, so someone archived it, which you'll find a link in the show notes to check it out if you want to. Uh, This is really cool. I think it's funny, first of all, that Valve is doing it. And I also think it's really important that a company takes care of these kind of accounts, these kind of Smurf accounts, because they're rampant in so many different games. And apparently they're super rampant in Dota 2. So I'm really happy to see that they're taking care of it. I mean, it makes sense that it's, happening in Dota 2 because Dota 2 is free to play and also a lot of games that are free to play have this kind of issue so I think that makes sense uh, but I'm really happy when I see a company taking the initiative to get rid of these Smurf accounts because well there's they're stupid and lame and I don't like them I've also played against Smurfs and it's not fun not because I'm bad at the game it's just there's no reason to play people who are so much more experienced than you or who are brand new to the game because it's just not fun to either be demolished or to demolish. It's just, it makes the game boring in most games anyway, at least in my opinion. But I guess I don't share that same opinion with everyone. So good job, Valve. Keep banning them. Keep giving the coal because that's awesome. If you'd like to learn more about this, you'll find links in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show and want to be kept up to date with what's going on in the Linux and open source world, then be sure to subscribe. And of course, remember to like that smash button. If you'd like to support the show and the Tux Digital Network, then consider becoming a patron by going to tuxdigital.com membership, where you can get a bunch of cool perks like access to the patron-only section of our Discord server and much, much more. You can support the short by... Uh, ordering the the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt at tuxdigital.com slash store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff we have like hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. I'll see you next time for another episode of Your Source for Linux GNU's. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell. I hope you're doing swell. 
be sure to ring the notification bell. And until next time, I bid you farewell.